Mark 6, verse 45. Let's read our, our text that we're going to be in today. Page 704 for using one of our Bibles. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida while Jesus dismissed the crowd. And after leaving the crowd, Jesus went up on a mountainside to pray. Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake and Jesus was alone on land. He saw his disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against him. And shortly before dawn, he went out to them, walking on the lake. He was about to pass by them, but when he saw him, but when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately he spoke to them and said, Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Then Jesus climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down. They were completely amazed. For they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hard. And this is a word of God from Mark chapter six. I love kind of what happened leading up to this moment, to this story. If you're a note taker, the, the first kind of note, the first movement, the first piece, whatever, uh, for our time together this morning doesn't even come from our text. It comes from the stories that were leading up to this. And this is kind of the first movement that we're gonna see this morning is the momentum of the mission of God. First thing that I want us to think about to wrestle with this morning is the momentum of the mission of God. So the days leading up to this story, this, this moment, was an incredible journey for the disciples. That the disciples had been experiencing some of the joys that just come with going with God. So up until this point in Mark chapter six, something interesting had been happening. The, the 12 apostles had simply been watching Jesus. They had just been spectators. They'd been walking around. They'd been watching him heal people. They'd been watching Jesus lay his hands on sick people and completely heal them. They'd been watching Jesus lay his hands on people who were being oppressed by the enemy. And for the first time in their lives, people were experiencing joy and freedom and life. And up until this point, Mark chapter six, the disciples were simply spectators. And then something beautiful happens in the beginning of Mark chapter six, that Jesus sends the disciples out. It's this moment where Jesus like puts them in the game. So I remember growing up and one of my favorite sport growing up was basketball. And I remember in middle school, this was the moment that you live for. Like the game started, your, your friends are playing on the court and the coach looks at you at the end of the bench and says, Brandon, Get in the game, go check in. And this is a moment that is unfolding here in Mark chapter six that the disciples had been watching, they'd been spectating, they'd been sitting on the bench and Jesus looks at them and says, hey, it's your time to get in the game. And so it's so powerful in Mark chapter six, the disciples got in the game. They got to be a part of the mission of God to heal and to save the entire world. And so Dave talked about this last week in Mark chapter six. If you were to go back and read verse 13, it says the disciples went around and Peter and Andrew, James and John started laying their hands on sick people and, and they were better. And Matthew and Thomas and Thaddeus and Bartholomew went around and, and, and they were looking at people who had the influence of the enemy just oppressing them and keeping them down. And because of the disciples going, people got better. And it's this beautiful shift where the disciples went from spectating to participating. The story right before this story that we're going to be in this morning, 
Jesus feeds this, five, this crowd of 5,000 people. This huge crowd of people had gathered to listen to Jesus preach, to listen to Jesus talk about the kingdom of God. And after sitting through a sermon that lasted all day long that they weren't forced to show up to, but they, they chose to, to listen to Jesus. They chose to sit under the hot Middle Eastern sun all day as Jesus proclaimed to them the goodness and the realness and the power and the glory of God. And at the end of this day, it says the people were hungry. Jesus looks at his disciples and says, hey, how much food do we have? His disciples go and they ask every single person there and out of 5,000 people, one kid brought his lunch. So Jesus takes this little kid's sack lunch and he multiplies it and he gives it to his disciples and Jesus literally feeds this crowd of 5,000 people. And I was just thinking about the momentum of the mission of God leading up to our story this moment, this morning. And I think if we could just like put ourselves in the disciples' place, Man, you, you know that they were just feeling it. Like they were feeling good as our story picks up this morning. This, morning. This, moment, this momentum had been building and growing. The mission of God was increasing in these guys' lives. And I was thinking, man, have you ever had one of those days? Have you ever had one of those seasons where you were living in the joy of the mission of God? You ever had one of those days? It's that moment where you pray for a friend and God answers. Like we prayed for Lila Grace and God answered. It's the moment where you share your faith or you invite a coworker to church who is not interested in God and for the very first time as you're telling your story, as you're inviting them to come and, and to, to worship, you notice that for the first time in your coworker's life, there's an interest in God. This is the joy of living in the mission of God or it's that moment where the Holy Spirit gives you a word or a vision or a dream and you share it with someone and it greatly blesses and encourages them. And I go, have you ever experienced living in the joy of the mission of God? Where you don't just show up here to, to worship and to hear the time of teaching and to, to eat some delicious communion bread. Have you ever been so caught up in the realness in the goodness of God that you get to participate in what God is doing in this world? Have you ever experienced that? If you have, you know how amazing, how invigorating it is. And this is a picture of what is unfolding for the disciples. The past few days, the past few weeks had just been living in the sweet spot. Mission of God, healing people, driving darkness out of people, feeding hungry people. Sets a stage for where we are this morning in verse 45. Let's walk through this together. It says, immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida while Jesus dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. Later that night, the boat with the disciples was in the middle of the lake and Jesus was alone on land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against him. And the second kind of movement, this is where we're going to spend the rest of our time this morning, is I want us to think about the mysterious nature of the mission of God. The mysterious nature of the mission of God. I can't remember a text um, as I've prepared for a sermon that has had me as confused as this one. <laughs> and the reality is that there's so much depth and there's so many questions that come out of this text that 
we don't have time to answer today and that I actually just don't have answers for. <laughs> I was reading this and I'm going, man, why did Jesus immediately dismiss the crowd after he fed him? And I wonder what Jesus was praying about on the mountainside. Why doesn't it tell us what he was praying about? And why did he send the disciples ahead of him? Why was he sending them to Bethsaida? Why did he choose to walk on water? And I just had all these questions after questions. And before we jump into answering any of those, I I want to take you into the boat. I was trying to imagine what it would have been like to have been the disciples in this moment. To have just come off these amazing few days of living in the mission of God. And then to have to get right back in this boat. The same boat that they were in just a couple of weeks ago as they went out on this same body of water and the storm came and they thought they were going to die. And Jesus, what was he doing in the stern of the ship? He was sleeping. And I wonder if the disciples, as they pick up those rows, as they set back down in that boat, as they get back on those waters, I wonder if there's anything in their minds that is scared. I wonder if they're terrified because they've been here before and they know what happened last time they went through this. I wonder if they're confused. I wonder if they're angry. That here they are walking in obedience to the commands of Jesus again. And because they're walking in obedience, they're facing opposition. I mean, how many times is this going to play out for these guys like this? I thought when God told us to do things that that life got better for us and yet the picture that is unfolding for the disciples is yet in walking in obedience to the life of God, they continue to face opposition. In the original language, the phrase straining at the oars because the wind was against them, it literally means the wind was tormenting them. The wind was so strong that it was preventing them from going forward. So the picture is that they keep rowing and keep rowing and keep rowing and keep rowing on into the night and they're making no progress. And I think the picture that is unfolding here is so crucial for us. And we have to understand this about the mission of God because as his followers, as as people who are choosing to walk in obedience to God, to, to give our lives being about the things that God cares about. It doesn't always mean that, that our prayers are going to be answered. And it doesn't always mean that, that miracles are happening around us. And it doesn't always mean that everything is good and cheerful and people are always getting better. The picture that we see unfolding here as the disciples continue to obey Jesus to do exactly what he said is that they are facing opposition. And I wonder if in the minds of the disciples, I wonder if in the middle of the struggle they're frustrated, if they're upset at Jesus. You could just hear him asking the questions. Why does he keep sending us places by ourselves? Why is it that every time we obey him, things just get worse for us? I wonder if they were wishing they could just stay back on the shore. I wonder if they were fighting that storm, making no progress, if they were going, man, why couldn't we just keep doing what we were doing? People were being healed and people were being fed and the miracles were passing through our hands and life was good. And I go, man, have you ever wondered why the sweetness of the joy of living in the mission of God just seems to fade? 
how incredible moments of salvation and clarity, moments where you have been used by God, seem to always be followed by struggles. Have you guys noticed, like Todd, Stacy, Allison, Mark, have you guys noticed as you've walked with God? Walking in obedience to God isn't always standing on the shore, healing people, helping people, seeing people get better. How often living in the mission of God is confusing. How often when we're walking in obedience to God, that's when we have more unanswered questions than ever before. How when we're walking and living in the mission of God, giving our lives for the glory of God to help other people, how often we face opposition and frustration. I was riding the train in on uh, Thursday morning. My wife and I, we kind of live east of town. We don't kind of live east of town. We live east of town. And there's a train that comes in from Lebanon to downtown. And I ride the train every once in a while. And, and this lady sat down beside me. And we started having a conversation, just kind of getting to know her life and her heart. And what broke my heart about this girl is that she grew up in church her entire life. And, and she didn't know God. And she wasn't a believer. She didn't know the reality of who Christ was and what he'd come for. She had spent her entire life just showing up and sitting, never experiencing the grace of God. And so I was just sitting there on the train and I just started telling her about God. <laughs> I was telling her about Jesus, telling her about salvation and, and grace. And I was just spitting all my best stuff, like everything that I had, like I was giving it to her. And she just looked at me and she said, that's cool. So what are you doing this weekend? And I'm like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Like, I just poured out to you the, the goodness and the realness and the power of God in your heart. Like, you, you could care less. And I go, isn't it so true that, that so often when we're living in the mission of God, sharing our faith, we're confused why people don't want anything to do with it. How often we're living in the mission of God, we have unanswered questions. Why in the world did a little two-year-old girl get cancer? And we all come to God with all these different questions. We all have these unanswered questions deep in our hearts that most of us aren't courageous enough to ask. Why did my dad leave? Why does my son Keep walking in rebellion against God. I've been praying for him for 15 years. Why is my wife sick? Why does my husband not care about God? God, I'm walking with you. I'm, I'm living in your mission. I care more about you than I ever have before. Have you ever been there? Let's keep going. Verse 48. Jesus saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. And shortly before dawn, he went out to them, walking on the lake. He was about to pass by them. But when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost and they cried out because they all saw him and they were terrified. Immediately, Jesus spoke to them and said, take courage. It is I, don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them and the wind died down and they were completely amazed. There's so much here. Um, 
I encourage you to go home and to let God keep bringing this passage to life in your heart. There's so much richness and beauty in this text. I feel like I have like such an elementary understanding of this text. I think that as we keep walking with God, that he's gonna keep taking us deeper and deeper into the layers of this text. And there's so many questions that I have that I don't have answers to. But I wanna just kinda to guide us this morning through a couple of things in our time together. Let me ask you a question. What do you see Jesus doing here in this text? Jesus sees his disciples doing exactly what he told them to do and they're facing opposition. And what does Jesus do? He goes to them. He goes to them. And I have no idea why the text tells us that he was about to pass by them. That just puzzles me. But I love that Jesus' response to their struggles is not to stand on the shoreline watching, but to go to them. And I love that when they're fearful, they hear the tender and the sweet voice of God that when they're afraid and tired, Jesus gets into the boat with them. And I love that when Jesus steps into the boat, the wind stops. And I want us to see this this morning, that Jesus cares, that he is aware, that the struggles and the opposition and the things that you're going through, he loves you, I love the thing that we see in this text that when the storms come close to our lives, so too does Christ. That when the storms come close to our lives, so too does Christ. And all week, if I'm just being honest, I was thinking about how I wish this text just stopped right here. I wish the last word in this text was, and they were amazed because that would be a whole lot easier for me to teach and for us to understand. It'd make a whole lot more sense that they were amazed that he walked on water. They were amazed that the wind died down. They were amazed that he came to them. They were amazed that he cared. They were amazed that he noticed them. But that's not where the story ends. And verse 52 has confused me. <laughs> and consumed me, and I feel like I still don't have a grip on it. So I'm trusting that the Holy Spirit's gonna do something special, helping us understand this. Verse 52 says, they were completely amazed for they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. They were amazed because they had not understood about the loaves, their hearts were hardened. And I went, what in the world is going on here? What in the world does Jesus walking on water have to do with the loaves? The story that comes right before this one, the feeding of the 5,000. What in the world is Jesus doing here? I've read both of these stories before and I've always just thought that they were really cool miracle stories. Jesus showing his power. 
And yet I think that what I was seeing and sensing this week is that in this text is that there's some deep connection here going on between these stories and I have no idea what it was. And so I went back and I, and I started reading the previous story, the feeding of the 5,000. I encourage you to go home and to read Mark chapter six, verses 30 through 44 sometime this afternoon, sometime this week. Read it with your spouse, read it with your kids, just read this story. I went back and I read it. And the picture that is unfolding here is of all these people who are hungry. Jesus had been preaching to them all day. At the end of the day, as the sun was setting, the people were hungry. Jesus looks at his disciples and says, how much food do we have? They said, we have one kid's sack lunch. We have one kid's fish sandwich. And in verse 41, it's such a beautiful verse. I want you just to, to read verse 41 with me or just listen to these words. It says, taking the five loaves and the two fish, just picture this, Jesus holding them in his hands and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and he broke the bread. Then he gave the bread to his disciples to distribute to all the people. And verse 42 says, and every single person ate and was satisfied. It's this powerful story where Jesus multiplied food, right? It's a miracle. He fed 5,000 people with one kid's sack lunch. It's a miracle. It's beautiful. But I think there's more going on here. You see, I think these two stories, him feeding the crowd, him walking on the water, are not just stories about his miraculous power. I think what Jesus is doing here is he's wanting us to see deeper into his life. He's inviting us to look deeper into his heart, to see his love for us. He's inviting us to look deeper to see his very purpose in coming. It just kind of hit me this week, that imagery of, of, of God, of Jesus holding that bread and breaking it and then giving it. And then what was given satisfied the whole crowd and I realized that, that the bread was Jesus. And I could be totally wrong here, but I think this is what God was stirring in my heart this week, that, that he is the bread. And the bread was broken. And the only reason that the people were fed and satisfied the only reason the disciples even had bread, the, the only reason they were even able to participate, the reason that the miracle passed through their hands was because the bread was broken. And I got, guys, this is the gospel. That the reason that, that you and I can know God, like Ronnie and Seth, the reason you know God Warren and Amelia, the, the, war, the reason you know God, Joe and Colt and Wanda, the, the reason you know God, the reason we are, are, are forgiven by God, the only reason that we can live this life being satisfied, walking with God, is because Christ was broken. The bread was broken. The bread was broken. 
And I think what God was, was showing me this week, it's like he's wanting to, to take the boys back to elementary school. He's like taking them back to the fundamentals. He knew that this would have to be the starting block for the disciples. You see, he knew that if they were really gonna be people whose lives were fully committed to the mission of God in this world, he knew that their worth and their value, he knew that their lives could not be founded on what they had done. He knew that their value couldn't come from, from how many people they've brought to Christ. He knew their, their worth couldn't be on how many hours they've given in service or how many prayers they've prayed. He knew that their value couldn't be about what they had done. You see, Jesus knew that their value, their worth, the starting block for the disciples has to be not on what they had done, but on what he had done for them. And what had been done for them, what has been done for us is the bread was broken. Christ was broken so we could participate. Christ was broken so that we could walk in forgiveness, so that we could know and serve and worship and enjoy God forever and ever. Christ was broken so we could participate. And Christ knew that if we were really going to be committed to his mission in Nashville, if he knew that we were going to be committed to, to his mission in this world, that truth that Christ was broken would first have to grip us. His body was broken. And it was broken for us. He died for our sin. Our sin cost him, not us. Let that sink in. And this is the gospel. And this is the only way that a hard heart can be softened. Here's a connection, I think, with walking on the water. I think the picture of him doing this isn't for us to go, wow, how cool, Jesus can walk on water. Of course he can walk on water. I think he does this because it's unthinkable. I think he walks on the water because it's unimaginable that someone would walk on the water. Why didn't Jesus just get in a boat? Why didn't he just swim? There's so many other ways that he could have gotten to the disciples. Why in the world did he choose to walk? I think because it's unthinkable. And I think that he's wanting us to understand in the midst of our struggles, in the midst of the oppression and the forces of evil that are against us, Jesus Christ came to us in the most unthinkable way. Not by walking on the water, but by dying on a sinner's cross. No one on their best day should or would think that God would die for sinful people. It's unthinkable that the God of the universe would come for us. You know your heart. You know the sin, sinful thoughts that pass through your minds. It's unthinkable that a perfect and holy God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, it's unthinkable that he would die and that he would die for us.
And I think what Mark chapter six, what Jesus is doing is so beautifully wanting us to understand that in the midst of our struggles, that he desires to come all the way in. That in the midst of whatever you're going through in life, he desires to get in the boat. And if the enemy is having a heyday in your life, if he's oppressing you, if he's lying to you, if he's condemning you, if he's holding over your head shame and sin and guilt, Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone desires to step into the boat of your life to silence the voice of the enemy. And only when Jesus is all the way in your life can he stop the storms. Can he get you where he wants you? You see, I think what he's doing here is he's wanting us to be people whose lives are founded on this unthinkable truth that Christ was broken for us. And when we get this, when we, when we behold this, this is a starting part. This is a starting point of our Mondays and our Tuesdays and our Wednesdays and every day of our lives. You know, I woke up this morning and if I'm just being honest, I was telling the guys in our pre-worship meeting, I just didn't feel it today. I was telling them, I feel like I had a lot of these choices this weekend where it's like the Holy Spirit was saying, Brandon, do you want to press in? Do you want to, do you want to invest in my heart? Do you want to worship? Do you want to see me? And I felt like all weekend, I just kept making the other choice. No, I think I just want to sit here and watch this mindless TV show. Brandon, do you want to pray? Do you want to connect with my heart? Do you want to intercede for some of the people in, in your church? No, I think I just want to do this. And I came here this morning feeling really discouraged, feeling really defeated. And I was in the back praying this morning before we get started, and it was like God was reminding me, Brandon, the starting point of, of your life can't be focused on what you have done or not done. You've got to let this truth of what I have done set the foundation in your heart. That every day, like, we're going to have to keep teaching ourselves the gospel. Because we're going to keep messing up. And we're going to keep failing. And we're going to keep falling. And that old habit, that old sin is going to work its way back into our lives. And we're going to wonder if God still loves us. And Christ is going to keep reminding us on Sundays and Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays until the day that we die. That because of his love for you. Because he wanted to save you. Because he wanted you to participate. The bread was broken. So what do we do with this? I think this text is really interesting. It says that they were amazed because they didn't understand about the loaves. I go, but what about for us? What about when we do understand that truth? That Christ was broken for us. What happens when we understand that the bread was broken so that we could participate and I think he's wanting us to understand that, that in this life, we shouldn't be amazed when oppression and resistant, resistance comes our way. 
that in this life, we, we shouldn't be surprised when hard things come our way. And we shouldn't be shocked when Christ shows up and he reveals himself to us in greater ways in the midst of our struggles. We shouldn't be shocked when, when he reveals himself, that he cares about us, that he's with us. Because when we understand the cross and what he went through to save us, when we understand the hard things that he endured for us, we know that he'll not abandon us in our struggles. I was talking to Court a couple months ago and I don't even remember if she remembers having this conversation. Uh, but I was telling her how, kind of looking back on my journey, I'm only 29 years old, I hopefully have a lot of life left before, but like the life that I've lived so far, I was just kind of telling her that it seems that in all the hard things in my life, that's where I've seen a clearer picture of God. That through the hard stuff that God has a way of, of walking on the water, of showing that he cares, of showing us things about his heart that we never would have seen before. So what do we do with this? Some of you this morning are not fathers of Jesus. And we just want to invite you. Not just me, like we as the family of God, the people of God, we want to invite you to step into this life with God by letting him step into your life. If he's softening your heart, let nothing stop you from becoming his follower today. Let him come all the way into your life. Give your life to him in baptism and faith and spend the rest of your life beholding this great reality that he was broken for you. To forgive your sin, to cover you with grace, to save you forever. Here in just a minute, we're gonna stand and the band's gonna come back and lead us in worship. And if you wanna talk or pray, there'll be some men and women up front to respond. Man, we'd love to help and pray any way we can. If you are a follower of Jesus, two things. I want you to notice real quick, verse 47. It says, later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake and he was alone on land. And I want you to know that if you're a follower of Jesus, this picture is no longer true. That there's no longer a moment or a situation where you'll be going through a struggle and Christ is just standing and watching because when you gave your life to Christ, his forever presence is with you. The reality is that struggles and opposition in the work of the enemy just have this way of wearing us down. And so I wanna invite you as you take communion, I wanna invite you to share your struggles. I wanna invite you to share your questions. I wanna invite you to share your fears where you feel alone, where you feel like you are in the storm and Jesus is on the shore. And let your friends and your family put their hands on your shoulders and pray for you. Let other people into your life. Experience the joy of, of letting people walk through the struggles with you. Second piece, for those of you who are followers of Jesus, I want us to think about this as, as we behold this reality that the bread was broken. I hope that we know that it was never intended to stop with us. And if you go back and you read this story, the feeding of the 5,000, the miracle kept going because they kept giving. 
And if you're a follower of Jesus, I hope that we know that we've been given the greatest gift ever. We've been given the eternal salvation of our souls forever and ever and ever because of the man, Jesus Christ. And as you look at your life and you look at your faith and you go, man, how in the world, why do I believe? Why do I go home at night and, and my default is just to believe? Why, why is it that, that I, I know God and I love God and I trust God? Why do you believe deep in your bones that Christ is alive? Well, the reality is that that, that gift was given to you. That somewhere along the way that, that your heart was hardened in Christ through the brokenness of who he was, what he did on the cross softened your heart. And you are a follower of Jesus. You are caught up in the mission of God. You are a believer in the Lord Jesus. And that fact, what you know, what you have, was never intended to stop with you. Jesus gave to the disciples the bread so that they could give to everyone around them. And I go, as a people of God, may we give what's been given to us. May our friends and our coworkers and our neighbors and our spouses and our kids and our grandparents and our aunts and uncles, may we give them what's been given to us. Let's pray.